0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network.
1: Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent.
2: Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 66 and we will be sharing chapter 14 of Ain't No Messiah. Alright, hopefully you guys have been enjoying that story. Uh, It shall continue at the end of this episode. Um, I'm also going to throw out one of the other new short stories from Untold Mayhem. I don't feel like doing a lot of talking and I think you guys would rather hear stories. So let's do that we'll actually start out with that today Um, today's short story was originally called motherfucker in charge so actually that's not even true a long time ago the story was called vanity Um, I didn't know I wasn't a real big fan of it Um, there were some parts that I really enjoyed Uh, there were some cool parts to it but overall I just didn't care for it that much Um, When it was time to do untold mayhem. I had that on the list of potential stories And I decided if I was going to use it I had to completely rewrite it so completely rewrote it uh, added in a bunch of um, Different voices for this guy. I think in the original version he might have had like one or two voices in his head uh, But I made those voices more like characters. Hopefully you'll enjoy them Uh, again Untold Mayhem is not meant for kids Messiah is not meant for kids either and So And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doubting that you're listening to this with your children um, But yeah, this short story might trigger you uh, It's definitely not PC But hopefully you will enjoy it So check it out This is, you know what? I don't even know who the narrator was on this I didn't look it up But I will put it in the notes at the bottom so not sure who the narrator is i do know they did an excellent job uh but yeah check it out and then untold mayhem i'm pretty sure it is out on all uh places uh where you can get well it's only on amazon for ebooks i'm doing most of my books kdp all amazon exclusive uh but with the audiobooks they should be everywhere uh so yeah check it out hopefully you enjoy the story We'll come back as soon as it is over
0: In Charge The speed limit's 65. My cruise control's set to 63. The right lane, all mine. Sunday nights are always slow, but this is getting ridiculous. Only 22 cars passing in the last half hour. Fourteen with men in them. That's barely one out of three, Fred says smugly. There's no one around to see me talking to an empty car, so I say... Thanks, Fred, but I can do the math. Yeah, thanks, you fucking dork, Tommy says. Knock it off, Tommy. This ain't the time or place. I say real serious so he knows I'm not messing around. Ooh, Tommy says. I'm so scared. Fred asks, how about we listen to the radio? I say, good idea, and push it on. Tommy says, how about you stop being such a little bitch? I don't know if he means me or Fred, but either way, it doesn't matter. We all know I can silence them if I want. The pink pills in the bathroom provide a viable solution. Tommy laughs. (laughs) Holy shit! Viable? You fucking hear yourself? I turn up the Mozart, not about to engage with a dickhead. The song ends and headlights pop up in the rear view. Drop it down, Tommy tells me. No shit, I say. This ain't my first time. Oh, I remember that, Fred sighs. How the fuck I get stuck with you two, Tommy asks. I'm going 61 as the headlights switch to the outside lane. They're too low to be an SUV, and I sense my odds dropping. Relax, Fred says. Stay cool. The car's a Toyota. Some wrinkly fucker with a gray goatee bobbing his head to a beat. This is some bullshit, Tommy says. I set the cruise control back to 63. Let the guy disappear down the interstate. Maybe it's time to turn around. What? It's not even nine, Tommy says, like I can't read the clock. I turn off the radio because it's too much stimulation and I'm getting agitated. Ever think maybe we'll have better luck eastbound? Figured you were just bitching out, worried about waking up for work. Getting up at six ain't easy. You don't think we know that? Fred tells Tommy to drop it. Charles is getting upset. Sorry, Charlie. I pass exit 21. Spot a minivan merging onto the interstate just ahead. I catch up, but keep my distance... Stay close enough to see your Pennsylvania plates. The sticker family on the back window. We may be in lock, Fred says. Only one way to find out. I keep quiet, speed up to match the van, but can't tell who's driving. Knowing Tommy won't keep quiet, I flip on my signal and switch lanes. I'm even with the back of the van when I spot the driver in the van's side mirror. A fat fifty something face with too much makeup. <sighs> so? Tommy practically shouts. The ugly ones love it the most. I can't argue with that, and he's off the gas, falling behind her. Shit, Tommy says. Passenger seat. There's the brim of a baseball hat. Someone's shoulders sticking out. Could be another woman. I drop the LeSabre to sixty-three. Really, Fred? Disappointed. Stick to the rules so there's no problems. Two's a crowd, no matter their sex. Mmm, Pablo says like the word's delicious. Sex. No, 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 I tell him. You're not needed yet. Andale, puto. Uh, We're turning back next exit if I hear another word. Headlights appear in the rear view, the vehicle catching up. Oh, Shit. Tommy says when we see it's a big boxy van. Maybe she's a handy. That was one time, I say, not proud I accidentally pulled out the woman's colostomy bag. But, ay, 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 that was hard. I tell Pablo, you're not helping. Oh, yeah, puppy? Then why's your coco? I stuff it back in my sweats. Uh, had niche. The van passes on my left. A tough guy with dreads behind the wheel. Before I get too upset, another car flies up from behind, its headlights enough to make the van move over. Ooh, hot tamale on his way, Pablo says. I take it to 69 and Pablo moans. I tell him, grow up. The car flies by. The cute blonde blur. After her, Tommy says. My dick's still hard, throbbing at the thought. But, just like the voices, I can't let it control me. You got money to pay for the ticket? Or a trip to jail, Fred asks. When did you become such a fucking pussy? Exit 23 is a half mile ahead. Time to turn back. Come on, Tommy says. You want this just as much as us. What I want is for you to shut your mouth so I can concentrate on the road. Tommy laughs. "'And grab your dick. "'I had an itch! "'Yeah, a little one,' Tommy says real low "'so I can barely hear him. "'Headlights appear way back, "'but they won't reach me before the exit. "'Don't do it,' Tommy says. "'I was fucking around. "'We all know you have the juiciest hog.' "'He knows how much I hate sarcasm. "'I'll fucking show you. "'Whoa, I'm no fag, Charlie.' I'm taking the pills when we get home. There might be three of you, but never forget, I'm the motherfucker in charge. Oh, my, a delicate female voice says. Pablo? Wasn't me, Poppy. The van's gone. The headlights about seven car lengths back. Tommy? Do I sound like a bitch? I got both hands on the wheel, a sick feeling in my gut. What's your name? The woman of your dreams, she says, all smooth and silky. Sexiest voice I've ever heard. Charles, Fred says, you need to tell us something. (laughs) He's going to transition, Tommy says with his asshole laugh. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I shout, I'm not a woman. Oh, I know that, she says. I'm not in your head, baby. A black BMW 745i pulls alongside, limousine-tinted windows. Tommy says, Ha! Bet it's a hundred-pound hipster with a hair bun. The passenger window rolls down, revealing a beautiful 40-ish woman with long jet black hair staring straight ahead. Oh my fucking God, Tommy says. You guys see this? I keep my lips close together so she doesn't think I'm talking to myself. Play it cool. Rich women have rich husbands at home, Fred says, not to mention top-of-the-line security systems. Tommy says, the higher the risk, the higher the reward. Fred says, too good to be true means she's a cop. You know police are searching for us. Probably people in the back seat. Out of my three voices, Fred's the one who's usually right. I ease off the gas and let the BMW pull ahead. Yeah, too risky, I say, because Tommy's going nuts. The BMW puts on its blinker and moves into my lane, matches my speed. You don't get it, she says. With me, there is no risk. I keep my mouth shut in case she's watching me in her rear view, but Tommy and Pablo are losing their minds. The blinker clicks on again, and I say, Okay, everyone keep it down. She's getting off. Should I? Tommy shouts, Yes! There's only a right turn at the bottom of the exit ramp, a dead end to the left. The road's barely wide enough for one car in each direction, and in the dark, it's easy to see no one's coming. I've never been out here, but love the isolation. Nothing but trees and bushes. Bushes and trees. Maybe you should slow down, Fred says. I don't want to scare her. I'm letting off the gas when Tommy says, You serious? This is like an act of God. For some crazy reason, this hot chick wants to take you to Bone Town. Fred says he's never heard of it. Pablo chuckles. There's about five car lengths between us, just enough space to keep Fred quiet. The moon disappears, and our world is the circle of headlights, huge pines blocking us in on both sides. The cloud blows by, and it's a little less creepy. A state park sign pointing to the right. The BMW's blinker pops on. Tick, tick, tick. We're down to ten miles an hour when she pulls into the deserted parking lot. Parks close after dark, Fred says. Really, dude? You're a full-blown fuck fucktard, Tommy says like it's a fact. Someone bought her that car, and she doesn't want to find out. Simple as that. She parks in the farthest stall, the one closest to the forest. What if she's a dude, Fred asks, real quiet. It takes Tommy a second. Well, then that motherfucker's pretty hot. I park in front of the bathrooms, about ten stalls between us. Tommy says, don't be such a chicken shit. I don't want to scare her. Well, then maybe you should stop talking to us, Tommy says. Look, there she goes. Pablo sighs. Oh, just me. The BMW's headlights illuminate her incredible body a short leather skirt hugging her hips as she heads down the dirt path. I pop the glove box, stuff the blackjack into my back pocket. Fred usually tells me not to, but this time it's Tommy. He says, why ruin the fun? The BMW's headlights click off, everything dark when I shut off the engine and open my door. There's a small sliver of moon poking through the clouds, but I can't see the woman. The night is silent except for my shoes squishing on the spongy grass. I get on the path and follow it toward the opening in the trees. The clearing is empty except for the woman standing in the middle, the moonlight caressing her angelic face. She waves me forward, her bright red lips motionless, when she says in that same sexy voice, Don't be afraid. I want you in me. I've never once heard those words and worry I won't be able to perform without the thrill of the hunt. Pablo says, <laughs> You got these. Tommy says, Knock her upside the head if things go south. It feels like a dream as I glide toward her, stop a few feet away. The perfect distance if you need to her. Fred says. Her fingers pop one, two... Three buttons of her black blouse. She holds out her hands. Mm, don't you want me? She asks out loud in the same voice. Don't you want to be in me? I lick my lips, calm myself with my hand on the blackjack. She unbuttons the last two. No bra underneath. Do you want to be? "'Inside me?' "'I know my voice will shake, but I say, "'You know I do.' "'Then come here, Charles.' "'I leave the blackjack in my pocket "'and step into her warm embrace. "'Did you say my name?' "'Her hand lands on my crotch and squeezes. "Mm, "'Does it matter?' I grunt. No. She releases me and steps out of the moonlight, her soft skin sloughing off, the dead skin underneath cracked and peeling. I've never had visual hallucinations, but I pray that's what's happening. My voices are gone, and it's just me and this monster, her almond-shaped eyes narrow to slits, her black irises flashing bright red, her lips peel back from her gigantic maw filled with dozens of razor-sharp teeth. I squeeze my eyes shut, hope the vision will disappear. I open them, and she's back in the moonlight just inches away, leaning in for a kiss, a monstrous vision no more. I give her a quick peck on her cheek and say, I'm sorry, I, I just had a moment, not feeling too well. "'You feel just fine to me,' she says, reminding me with a squeeze. "'I look away from her moonlit face, horrified to see her cracked claw. "'She flexes her forearm, the talons punching through my sweats and testicles. "'The hand on my chest pushes, and I fall flat on my back, my manhood shredded. "'The beast leans over me, shows her true self as she leaves the moonlight.' Oh, Charles, it's going to be so much fun. I scramble back, but she pins me down with her foot, shakes her head, slobber oozes out of the corners of her mouth and lands on my chest, burns through my shirt and skin. I do want you in me, all of you. She unhinges her jaw and shows me there's no body part too big for her. Give it to me, baby.
2: Yep, 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 uh, hopefully you enjoyed that story a little bit different um, But yeah, I have fun writing short stories It's it's been so long since I've been able to work on any um, I had planned on working on a couple when I was doing them with my kids I was working on one called the rules. I just saw that I still need to finish that thing up I have all the stories done. I just need to put in all my edits um, There's a story called stuffed that I really want to finish but again I don't think I'm going to be able to. All my focus right now is on trying not to die in the pandemic. Uh, my son just left this morning. He's going to be gone for a couple days, which means all I'm going to be doing is pandemic stuff. Uh, even if I get notes on other books, I probably will put them off to the side until I have gone through all of this. I'm doing a rewrite on the main story right now. Um, I want to have that done and back to John by the end of June, and I think I should. Uh, probably a little bit earlier and then i will rewrite all the dead uh all the death scenes Um, and lots of them don't need that much work i think the death scenes are way more solid we had plenty of them to choose from john did an excellent job with them Uh, so those should be pretty quick i think maybe two weeks but ideally i'll be done with this book in two months time Um, and then and also be finished with uh beyond brightside by then i'll get my final Version back from my editor and be able to go over it, but I think that story is pretty much done. It's pretty clean, uh, almost ready to be released. So, those are the two things that I have going on right now. Um, I think last week I was talking about not sure if I was going to have three or four books out, but I realized it definitely will be four. I completely forgot that Untold Mayhem and Trying to Die in Brightside were released at the same time, just like a week apart, I believe in March, February or March of this year. And then, so we'll have Pandemic coming out probably pretty late, probably maybe November, October, November. It'd be cool to have it come out around Halloween. And then Beyond Brightside will probably be coming out about that same time. Uh, and this time I'll space them out a little bit too. So that is what I am working on. That is my focus. Um, also, while my son's gone, I was trying to think, like, okay, what can I get done today? What is on my list? Number one thing was I will not get high until tonight, if at all, so might not smoke today. Um, Sometimes that helps the creative process, uh, especially if I am doing um, coming up with new scenes. If I'm doing creative stuff like that, then it can help. But if I am doing a lot of uh, the kind of stuff I'm doing right now with the rewrite and having to look at papers where I have notes and may not be able to understand them if I am not sober, so all I'm doing is staying sober today, working on that. I'm going to knock it out. Also going to be doing some German lessons because I really fell off the class I was doing. Uh, so I'll catch up on that today along with a bunch of household chores and shit like that. And hopefully getting some good uh, guitar lessons with my daughter. She's really motivated right now to learn guitar. She's been practicing. It's making me want to practice more. Uh, recently got an electric guitar which has been fun. And have a bass guitar. On its way. I think that will get here in two weeks. I let her pick it out. It's for her. But I told her. I was like hey. I want to play this shit. So. We'll see which one I like more. Whether I like the bass guitar. But. That is it. So. Yeah. Um. What else is going on? I mean shit. The world's crazy. But. I am being like a little ostrich. Keeping my head in the sand. So I don't get all pissed off. And angry. Um. All this. Uh the protests and everything really brought back a lot of memories from i don't know if it was 2008 or i forget what year it was maybe 2010 when i started really getting into uh police brutality and i was daily watching videos daily of uh police brutality just awful 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 shit there's so much stuff out there um you know and but anytime i would post something people would be like oh you hate the cops or blah blah, blah. i was like no no i i hate police police brutality I hate any kind of brutality um I may write about a lot of brutality but that's a little bit different but when there's injustice and then brutality going on uh yeah I don't want any part of it but seeing all that stuff just yeah brought back all those memories made me realize that um I am very if I were to watch it like I've seen a couple of things I just get so angry it pisses me off. It fucks up my mood. Uh, I'm not a good father. Not a good husband. So I've kind of been putting that shit to the side. I know it's there. I write about it all the time. Uh, it comes out a lot in my writing. That's what Brightside was really about. Uh, 25 Perfect Days is all about our liberties being taken away and brutality. Uh, Beyond Brightside is more of the same, where it's talking about uh, police having unlimited power and what can happen, what they would do, how it would be abused. So. I figure you know i'm not going out to the protests i'm not watching it i'm not doing any of that completely support it but i will get my point across in my writing uh just like the one i'm doing with my uh nephew luke we're writing about the second civil war that's what it is it's it's taking all these emotions that we're feeling about this shit, and able to get rid of it The best catharsis in the world um so yeah if you guys are going through stuff shit put pen to paper you don't need to know how to do it just do it just write down what you're feeling it could, you could turn it into a poem you could turn it into a song you could turn it just could be a fucking journal it could be whatever it could be a short story uh, but actually speaking that stuff putting it on paper i think that makes a world of difference it definitely has for me and lots of my friends so give it a shot if you're having a hard time all right guys we're keeping this short because i've got a lot of shit to do Plus, I already gave you a free short story. And now you get chapter 14. So hopefully you guys dig it, and I will talk to you next week. Peace.
1: Chapter 14. The following June, we had a three-week stint in Phoenix. The furthest west, our rotation would take us. It was our final night there, and it was a hot one. Still 100 degrees at 10 o'clock. I was on my stool, the hammer leaning against my legs. Count the minutes till it was over. I feel the dirt spread around me, filled with tough guys in tank tops and women in sweatpants with juicy stretched across their asses. The smell of greasy carnival food was making me queasy. Even with my earplugs in, my head was pounding the way the way it did every night since Owen squeezed me between the zipper and the rattling roller coaster that continually screeched above. That noise didn't sound right, metal on metal for just a split second. Not enough to worry about, according to Zeke. But there wasn't much Zeke worried about. He was 62 with three kids he couldn't talk to, grandchildren he'd never met. What did he care? I looked straight up at the reason I'd only been on the ride once. The curve was just too high, too fast, too sharp. Maybe it might have felt okay over water, but not with the zipper cages rolling right at me. It'd been a good thing I'd had an empty stomach. Two ladies that looked like Laura's age walked up, both of them carrying the 44 ounce blue and white beer bomber. There was nothing special about either one, not much to tell them apart except a couple of wrinkles, a few pounds, a little leather. I saw women like them every night and wasn't surprised when they ignored the gait and my personal space. But I was still pleasant. How are you ladies doing tonight? The one with more leather put her hand on my forearm. Well, aren't you sweet? The heavier one's fake smile threatened to crack her caked-on makeup. Her hand went on my bicep and gave it a squeeze. I'll say. I was used to the attention, but that didn't mean I liked it. I held out the hammer. Did either of you want to give it a shot? The first one raised her hand and jumped up and down, her boobs flopping all around like half-filled water balloons. I do, I do. Her friend dug out her phone and took aim. Smile. I held up my hand to block out my face. Sorry, no pictures. Oh, come on, spit flew onto my cheek when she leaned in and said, what if I tell you a secret? Still, no pictures, that's my rule. The roller coaster roared over us, the metal grinding, her fleshy fingers stuck to my arm. We'll see about that. Her tongue flicked inside my ear. I pulled away and said no. It didn't take much to make her ugly. Can you blame him? Loud enough for everyone else to hear. She said, Would you want people to know you're a carny? They walked away. The joke on her. I didn't give a shit if people knew I was a carny. I made a hundred bucks a night to take money and hand out toys. I even had my own little six by eight room with a cot and a stack of plastic containers for my clothes. There hadn't been a paying customer in close to ten minutes and I'd rung the bell a few hours back. Two times a night was the usual, sometimes three. Three but it only made sense to do it when the lines nearby were long. The line for the rattler snaked all the way to the beer booth. That's when I saw an incredible blonde in light blue jeans hugging her bubble butt, a beer bomber in each hand, and she made her way to the end of the zipper line. She walked up to a monster of a man, huge black stripes tattooed down each arm, tapering to a point at his middle knuckle. He was looking right at me. Mad doggin' was what Eddie called it. Seeming not to notice her body pressed against him and raising up on her toes to kiss his cheek. The girl turned to see what he was looking at. It looked like she was asking him what was wrong. But with that screeching overhead I couldn't make it out. He shook her off and kept staring. I held out the hammer and talked slow so he could read my lips. Do you want to play? He pushed his drink to her and started my way chest puffed out and arms flexed as if someone pulled a string to inflate him With a voice even deeper than i imagined he said what'd you say do you want to play he stopped on the other side of the fence his girl by his side i don't want to play your stupid game you kept looking over here maybe you want to try it and show everyone how strong you are you're the faggot checking out my bitch Even I knew that didn't make much sense, but I left it alone. I'm trying to figure out what's tattooed on your arms. You got them so people will look, right? He flexed even harder than he had been. Like I was supposed to be scared. He said, mess with the bull. I didn't get it. He put both arms straight down. Horns, he said. They're fucking horns. His girlfriend leaned in close and said, relax, hon. I'm not letting some punk kid. It's not worth it. Come on. We should get back in line. He shot her a nasty look. Instead of letting it blow over, I said, do you want to play? Are you a fucking wise guy? No, just a dumb Connie. You want to play or not? Show her what those muscles can do. Please, baby. She said, let's just go. He ignored her. Maybe if my shoulder wasn't all jacked up. I'd come a long way with reading people. Tell you what, I said. It's on me. Three free shots. Bull didn't say anything, but I knew he was considering it. I pulled out a hundred dollar bill. I'll even throw in one of my own. At least 20 people had circled around. I held out the hammer like it didn't weigh a thing. Three tries. What can it hurt? He snatched the hammer. All right, but I'm not paying for this. 200 if I hit the bell. I gave him my wood, and he spread his feet wide on either side of the button like he'd done it before. He shook out one massive arm, then the other. His arms were bigger than mine, and I wondered if I'd made a mistake. Maybe I'd met my match. $100 was no big deal with all that I'd saved, but I was a little worried about how I'd handle the gloating. The hammer rose high and crashed down, but the mallet only hit half the black circle, the silver disc barely reaching the orange. Again, the hammer went back up and down, striking the dead center of the target. The disc soared toward the top and stopped at 89, the very last segment before the red. Somehow I knew I'd just seen Bull's best. Come on, I said, one more try. Bull dropped the sledgehammer and made a face while he swung his arm in a big circle. Told you my shoulder's all fucked up. I got the blonde's attention and pointed at the row of tiny teddy bears. Any color you want. She said red, and he said she didn't need that stupid shit. I tossed her the bear anyway, then picked up the hammer. Most everyone in line for the rattler was watching a bunch from the zipper as well. Sounding as casual as possible, I wound up my shoulder like he had and said, mine's pretty sore too, but I'll give it a try. He walked away and called after the blonde who was still at the fence. Stacy, hurry the hell up. Stacy didn't move, her blue eyes all over me. Waking the thunder god was never a sure thing, so I took my time and slowed my breathing. I forgot about the crowd, the roller coaster screeching above. In one quick movement, I brought the hammer crashing down on the button, Thor's explosions lighting the night. I turned to face the cheering crowd. Even Stacy was clapping, clearly impressed. I smiled at her and said it was nothing. The line was long enough and I couldn't make the noise, so I turned off the machine. I went back to my stool and shouted, three tries for five bucks. Who wants to win a hundred dollars? Bull was back, pulling Stacy by her arm. That shit's fixed. That's bullshit. I said, can't tell me how? You do something, press a button. I don't know. He looked around and said, Might not even be you, probably one of your toothless buddies. I stepped up to him. Don't call me a cheater. Come on, Bull, Stacy said. Even though he was twice her size, she managed to pull him away. It's not worth it. I turned to the line of customers, spent the next five minutes taking money. I'd nearly forgotten about Bull when I heard someone yelling from over by the zipper. It was Bull, and he was on the phone. He moved it away from his mouth and shouted to me. What time do you get off? I'd been threatened before, but never by anyone his size. I figured I could handle myself and a little practice would be good for me. We close at 11. I'll meet you up front. He smiled at me and then spoke to the phone. Hear that? 11. Out front. Bull was putting the phone in his pocket when Stacy hit his arm. Call him back. You don't need to hurt anyone. I turned back to my customers, figuring that anyone that had to have a friend at a fight was too much of a pussy to even show up. A few minutes later, I heard him yelling retard every time he zoomed by. The fourth time, I saw a flash of his face, a demon behind the screen. He disappeared as the zipper whipped him around and back up. They was zooming back down when there came a loud twang of metal snapping and shrieking screams as the last two cars of the coaster shot over the edge, turning in the air, smashing into one of the zipper's cages. The coaster cars and the cage smashed to the ground 20 feet away. Everyone started screaming, pointing at the pile of mangled metal. Another cage dangled from above, blood streaming out. A woman screaming for help. I ran to the bottom of the zipper and climbed the ladder. At the top, I lay down on my belly and scooted forward until my chest and arms were over the edge. Bull's and Stacy's cage was barely hanging on by a twisted piece of metal a few feet below. I slid forward, secured both feet below a rung, and then lowered my hand until it was at the opening to their cage. Stacy was hysterical. Oh, my God, help us! Bull was barely breathing, his hands locked on the seat His legs, nearly severed where the cage collapsed. I told Stacy to slide her legs from under the bar. She started to listen until Bull grabbed her arm. Don't move. The whole thing's going to go. I told her to concentrate on me. I will not let you fall. I will not drop you. Give me your hand. Stacy got up, reached through the opening and took my hand. Bull said, don't do it. No, no, don't do it. I shouted at her to move and she clambered up my body and onto the beam. There was nothing I could do for Bull and I started backing up, but he snatched hold of my wrist begging me to help. Bull was going down with or without me. I shook him off and backed out of the cage a split second before it broke off and slammed onto the concrete silencing his screams. It was a year and three days since the rescue video hit the headlines. A year and two days since father called looking for me. It was exactly one year to the day that I moved to Flagstaff and started working for Eddie's older brother, Rick. Rick had his own moving company and we were on the last job of the day. We were in the living room holding up the couch, both of us pretending like we didn't care how long it took Terry to make up her mind. Terry was a 22-year-old college senior in a blue and yellow football jersey. She said she was a cheerleader, and I believed her. Her full lips painted red, her long brunette hair just like I imagined Danielle's. She stood a few steps behind Rick and looked right at me. Where would you put it? I looked to Rick to bail me out, but he gave me a look that said, The fuck? Then he let me sweat for another second and said, Well, that depends on what you plan on using it for. Terry shared her perfect smiles, her eyes on me. So maybe away from the window until I put blinds up? Rick was done helping me out. It was a two-bedroom apartment, so there weren't a whole lot of places to put the couch. I nodded at the wall behind her. How about up against there? Terry said sure and moved over to my side, not leaving me much space to lower the couch. She smelled like flowers, her hand so soft on my back when she told me great choice. I didn't know what to say, so I followed Rick out the front door. Terry caught up to me and asked, Are you trying out for the team? I know a lot of guys get summer jobs. Team? You know, football. I told her I'd never played and left her at the bottom of the ramp. When I got back to the van, Rick slapped my arm and whispered, What the hell's wrong with you? What did I do? You for real? The chick's digging you and you won't even talk to her. She's just being nice. Yeah, to your dumb ass. Rick came closer. I'm going to send her in here. You talk to her. What about? Rick picked up the computer chair and walked down the ramp. Terry came up a few seconds later, pointing over her shoulder. He said you could use me. Jamie would have said something dirty, but I stuck to business. Not sure how many words I'd get out before she realized I could be a little slow. What would you like next? She sounded disappointed when she said, oh, Tara took a second and picked out the love seat beside her, the biggest piece left. I guess this. The box her hand was on was all taped up. Phil's shit scrawled across the side in black marker. I nodded at it. Important stuff in that one? She shrugged her shoulders. I wish I knew. Other boxes had Phil's name on it, but none were taped. Don't you want to open it? She shook her head. Oh, you look hard enough for anything and you'll find it. That's what I was taught to do. I'd made it so neither of us had anything to say. I bent down and lifted the end of the love seat and then positioned myself underneath it. Aren't you going to wait for your partner? Nah, this is nothing. I proved it wasn't and walked in inside. Rick hurried out of the bedroom we'd already finished. Damn, girl, what a slave driver. I told him to wait. Rick just stood there, hands in his pocket. This guy don't have a pause button. That's pretty much how it went for the next ten minutes. Rick keeping her smiling, me quiet. When we were done, Terry caught up with us in the driveway and handed Rick the money. Then she added a twenty to it and glanced over at me. And this is for being so great. Sorry, Rick said. Can't take it. I was owed two weeks of back pay, but Terry was the one who asked why not. I got a better idea, Rick said. Oh yeah, what's that? You use that to buy my boy Josh a few drinks. He's still new to this place and doesn't get out that much. She turned on that perfect smile, the one too good for a dumbass like me. I'd love to, she said. I'm meeting my friends over at Hardy's tonight. You should come. I mumbled something about maybe. Rick pushed me toward the passenger side and said, he'll be there. Once both our doors were closed, Rick said, holy shit. Am I going to have to hold your dick while you're fucking her? That ain't my thing, homie. I'm not going. Man, if I was built like you, it wouldn't be a woman in this town I hadn't touched. I don't know what the hell it is, but these girls out here just eat up the whole redneck deal. Rick put the money in his pocket and caught me looking. He brought it back out and said, That's right. It's payday. Yeah, my rent's almost due. Is there any way to catch up? He counted out a $150. Gonna have to be patient. I need all the checks to clear and... I took the money. I'd heard that line before. We almost always got paid cash. Rick started the van. I still think you're a moron for passing up something like that. She's got a boyfriend. Who cares? If she doesn't, why should you? I took out my stash and added the money to it. I don't know. You're a loss. Rick looked over as I stuffed my money back in my pocket. When I tell you about that? Walking around with all your money isn't a smart thing to be doing. I patted my pocket. It's not that much. I've got most of it under my mattress, just like you said. You still have that ID I got for you? Of course. All right, you and me are going out. I'll get you ready for your big date night tonight. When I worked the carnival, I drew nearly every night, so it never made sense to splurge on a TV. Now I was averaging about 10 movies a week, playing catch up with the rest of the world. I was going to watch the second part of Star Wars. Priorities. You ever want to be able to talk to women? Star Wars ain't going to teach you that. Shit, it'll probably do the opposite. I thought of Jeremy, how he said he'd have models for me one day, that I'd better learn how to talk to women by then. If someone wanted to help me, I should let them and to be honest, Staying home in my studio apartment every single night was getting a little lonely. Where are we going to go? Rick said, I'd see. The sign said, girls, girls, girls. But I still asked, what's this place? You crack me the fuck up. He got out of the van and said, go ahead and leave your jacket in here. I'll lock it up. I only had a wife beater on underneath, so I told him I was okay I had my ID out before we got to the guard at the door, a pencil-thin Hispanic holding a metal detector. Rick told me to chill and put it away. He patted the guard on his back. What's up, Enrique? How's the girls looking? Enrique did so-so with his hand. Go see for yourself. Big man's with me. Enrique opened the door for us and said, Enjoy! My heart thumped with the music, my eyes adjusted to the darkness, the air conditioning sending a chill down my spine. The place was smaller than my church, a stage with 12 chairs horseshoed around it, a bouncer with a shaved head standing beside a black curtain. Rick headed for the stage, whistled at the brunette with a dragon tattooed down her leg, wearing nothing but the thinnest pair of panties. She was dancing for the only guy at the stage, an older man in a white button-down, his power tie hanging loose. The woman looked over her shoulder at Rick, who sat at the rail like it was nothing. She bent over and reappeared between her spread legs with a smile one hand pulling her dimpled butt cheek to the side, her other finger just below her panties, wiggling him forward. I took a seat two tables back, thought back to Riley and how wet she'd been, how much she wanted it, how that naughtiness was nothing compared to this place with people paying for sex. The dancer turned around and played with her tits, lifting one, then the other, the whole time shaking her ass at the old man holding the dollar. Rick noticed I wasn't next to him. Get over here. They won't hurt you. There was no way I was moving. Rick left the stage and called me a pussy. Give me two twenties. He was the boss, so I handed it over and watched him walk to the booth in the corner. The guy in the booth slipped off his headphones and slapped hands with Rick. They exchanged a few words before Rick headed to the bar. The DJ called for Destiny to head to the stage as the song wound down. Rick came back as the DJ told everyone to clap for Misty, who was on her knees picking up the stray dollar bills and her bikini top. Looks like you got a yardstick up your ass, Rick set a stack of ones on the table and handed me one of the beer bottles. Need to chill, homie. I hadn't touched a drop since the dorm, but I took a drink and said I was fine. I'm driving, you ain't got shit to worry about. The DJ came on again. Destiny, you're up. The black curtain below the VIP sign swished open and a dark-haired beauty walked out with a businessman messing with his belt. The woman adjusted her top that looked like it could pop off and walked on the stage. I pretended not to see her and read the back of my beer bottle. The new song was slow and classy. Rick nudged my foot and said, Pretty nice, right? If I didn't look, I'd be a faggot. She was beautiful, pretty enough to be in porn, moving so slow her hands running over her body. Yeah. Yeah. Throw some ones at her. I took another drink. I'm exhausted. I'm not getting up. It's nice. Makes him feel good. You want her to think you think she's ugly? She stood at the edge of the stage, staring right at me, her hand gliding across her breasts. I picked up the ones. How much is this? What do you think? I didn't care. Rick thought I was stupid. I didn't want to look back up like a pervert. Rick stood with a huff that sounded a lot like father's. I gotta take a piss. I'll grab some more beers from the bar. I need a piss too. You stay here to pay the waitress when she comes. I got a bottle coming. He pointed up at the stage and said, and stop being so rude. The girl on the stage was dancing directly in front of me. She licked her lips, sucked the tip of her finger and circled each nipple, making them rock hard. I turned back to my beer and busied myself peeling the paper off the bottle when I felt the hand on my shoulder I thought it was Rick's, then it came up and stroked my cheek, went down my chest, I turned my head to see who it was, but her lips stopped me with a kiss, her hand traveling down my stomach. Her breath was a peppermint ashtray, all raspy. She said, I'm Misty, what's your name, baby? That was no sign of Rick, so I'd have to talk for myself. I love your body, she said, didn't you like my dance? I, I didn't really watch. You can make it up to me. Get a lap dance. I'm with a friend. Her hand slipped under my shirt and stopped at my nipple. She squeezed it hard and said, Does he dance for you? An older lady in a vest dropped off drinks and said, Would you care to buy the lady a drink? I didn't want to be rude. Misty ordered champagne. The waitress left when Rick walked over and said, Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're waiting on someone. Misty got up and said, Whatever, asshole. Rick sat down and mixed our drinks. The one time you don't want to be choosy. Did you see her grill? Bitch been chewing rocks. This place was your idea. Destiny put her top back on, came down from the stage and headed over. Rick, baby, who's your friend? I adjusted my jeans as Rick told her my name. I couldn't believe when she sat down on my lap, wiggling her butt until I was lined up just right. I'm Destiny. She leaned back and rested her head on my shoulder so she could look up at me, her hair so soft, sweet vanilla flown over my arm. She ground into me some more, but a little softer. Ooh, she moaned. You feel nice. Rick pushed me my drink and said he'd be back. You two have some fun. I tried to stop him, but he just kept walking. Destiny reached behind and took hold of me through my pants. Why don't we go back and get to know each other better? I took a drink, wondered how I could get up with my dick standing straight up. I'm okay. Destiny squeezed harder. A big boy like you would be so fun. She put her mouth to my ear. First one's on me. I pushed my demons aside and said, Why not? Destiny waved over the waitress. We're headed to the back. She looked at me. And said, what do you want to do? Champagne? That's okay, right baby? I figured it couldn't cost that much. No problem. She spun around and kissed my cheek. Oh goody, get all your stuff out of your pockets and leave your jacket here. Don't want anything getting in the way. I took the keys out of my pants and put them in my jacket while I finished my drink. Debating whether or not I was making the right decision. Destiny slid her hand down the front of her skirt and moved it in tiny circles. You're going to make me wait all day. That decided it. I slipped off my jacket and draped it over the chair. She pulled me toward the black curtain like I was a little dog. The bouncer held open the curtain for us. Inside the dark room, there were three little cubicles, each with a love seat, everything black. She sat me in the last one, spread my thighs as far as they could go. Relax, she said. She rubbed her hands up and down. Relax, baby. I sank into the couch as much as I could but my dick kept twitching like it was running out of air. Destiny took off her top and eased her skirt and panties over her hips, dropped them to the floor. With one arm around my neck, she stood on the couch, her body brushing my cheek. She grabbed the back of my head and pushed against me, then slid down her stomach, then tits, everything so warm, so close. The song was slower than the others had been, or I wouldn't have lasted. Destiny ground back and forth whispered all kinds of dirty things in my ear her foul breath the only thing keeping me from blowing my load when the song ended destiny pressed against me her tongue flicking my ear want me to keep going there was no possible way i could have said no even if she'd admitted that she was a no-good demon trying to take my soul destiny kept dancing moving on me like we were one She stopped when the song wound down. I figured the DJ had just grown tired of it and decided to play something new. Destiny dropped onto her knees, her mouth pressed against my pants. Warm bursts on my thigh. Higher, then higher. Nearly to my balls. When the song changed. The next song seemed shorter, but I was so caught up in Destiny I didn't care. When she stood, I asked what was wrong. Destiny slid on her panties and skirt. I need to pay the house first, then I'll be right back. Okay. Even in the dark, I could tell she was looking at me like I was an idiot. She said, I need you to pay me first. I apologized and got out my money. How much? She didn't sound so sexy when she said, 400. I laughed because she had to be joking. She held out her hand. My money? You barely even danced. That was ten dances plus the bottle. What bottle? It's at the table, and if you don't believe me about the dances, go ask the DJ. I will. After you pay me. Are you serious? Yes, I'm fucking serious. She stuck her head out of the curtain. Larry! Larry, get over here! You said twenty dollars. A dance. Larry was the bald bouncer. He threw back the curtain, shined his flashlight in my face, and said, What's the problem? Destiny crossed her arms. This asshole says he's not going to pay me. Not $400? She didn't do anything. This isn't some whorehouse, Larry said. Pay her, now. You're going to judge me? What? I got up from the couch and said, I'm leaving. I had a $100 in my hand. It bounced off her chest. She picked it up. Where's the rest? Larry stepped over so he blocked the way. Need me to call the other bouncers? I want him not to. He did it anyway. Next thing you know, I got his head in my hands and I'm bashing it into the wall, letting him crumple to the carpet. Destiny screamed for help and I ran to my table. The waitress was wiping down. My jacket wasn't there. I asked her where it was. She shrugged. Maybe your friend took it with him. Destiny ran out from the curtain and screamed. He robbed me. The music was cut and the bouncer by the DJ booth got off his stool. Destiny screamed again. Call the police. Call 911. Rick was nowhere to be seen. The bouncers were running at me. I broke for the door that said emergency exit and found myself on the side of the building. The alarm shrieked and I took off running. It took me 10 minutes to find a cab, another 10 back to my apartment. The door was wide open. I ran up the steps and prayed Rick was in there. The mattress was flipped against the wall. My porno magazine still there. My bag of $2,600 missing. All that I had. I tried Rick's number but it just kept ringing. I thought of the police, but they were out of the question. For all I knew, I was wanted for murder. i had been watching those crime shows and knew I must have left a shitload of evidence with Dusty. And it wasn't just me I had to worry about. If I got busted, so would Paul. And I swore I couldn't let that happen. Even if those bones just happened to float up one day, who knows what they could find out and then there was the assault and robbery local cops would start investigating. The bouncers would against mine, and my word wouldn't mean shit. I closed the door and put the mattress back, sat down on it. No one at the strip club knew anything about me, except my first name and what I looked like. Only problem was, I looked like just about the biggest white guy in town, my scars not helping any. What I wanted to do was track down Rick and get back my money, But that wasn't likely. I'd never been to his place. No idea where it could be. All I had was a number. He'd never answer. After I changed my clothes, I counted 54 bucks in my pocket. I filled my duffel bag with everything I could and then went to the neighbors and sold everything else for 86 more. Told them I had to hurry home to Alabama.